Amen. Thank you, church, for allowing us to slip out, spend some time with one of the greatest ladies that I know of, Sister Joan Carruthers Glass. It was her 80th birthday celebration, and we were asked to participate. And uh, I, I felt it was an honor to be able to have that opportunity to pay back an investment that was made in my wife and I and our family's life many, many years ago when we were in turbulent times at a crucial moment in our life. Uh, Sister Joan and her husband at that time, Brother Kelton Carruthers, um, came into our life and immediately there was a family connection made. And I will have to tell you that during that season of my life, His words literally kept me on my feet at times. And today to be able to go honor her, it was such a privilege to be there to celebrate with such a godly and precious woman. So glad that um, we were able to do that. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Brother Landon, for handling service. I know he did a great job today. Amen. This is one of those unusual services. Some of you probably think I've already preached, but I hadn't even got started yet. But I'm going to try not to be very lengthy because I I know our service is gone. But I really feel compelled. I did come this afternoon after leaving service there and came back in this place. And uh, I began to seek the Lord. I'm not saying that so you would pat me on the back, but I am seriously earnest about this. This is not a job. This is not an experiment. This is not just some pastime. This is my life. This is our life. And I need to hear from God so that I can speak. And if I don't hear from Him, I don't want to have to stand here. I want somebody else to stand here. And I've told the Lord that many times. If you cannot use me, then just bypass me and get somebody else. But I want Him to know that His work, His move, His operation is more important than our little program. And I'm sorry, music team, didn't mean to interrupt all of your great practices afternoon. But I felt a God moment. And we probably could dismiss right now, but I really feel compelled to just share with you a few moments. I will not be long. It's 729. I will let you go in 20 minutes. Everybody that believes that, say amen. Most of you don't believe that. Well, I'm going to prove you to be wrong. All right? So you better listen carefully. I want to read from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse 8, 9, and 10. Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verses 8, 9, and 10. While you're turning there, I need 10 men and 10 ladies that will volunteer for Thursday night family camp to help us with greeting and ushering. You don't have to be an usher now if you just want to help us at that great service But on Thursday night, our church will be handling the offering. We will also be handling the greeting. I need 10 people that will volunteer for greeters and 10 ushers that will volunteer or 10 men that will help uh, volunteer to usher. Either see me or Brother Landon after service and uh, let us know if you can help us out. That's July 
uh, 10, 11, 12. Three incredible nights that you don't want to miss. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8. The wise men said, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. I think one word that could be translated or or put in place of proud is hasty. Patience is better than hasty decisions. Verse 9, be not hasty to thy spirit to be angry. Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry. For anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? I want you to notice Carefully the closing statement. For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this. What is this that he's talking about? The time that you're living in. And he said some men say that why is it that the former days were better than The current day. And the wise man declared that that is an unwise deduction. Because you have not inquired. You have not questioned. You have not looked into wisely concerning why you are where you are right now. At this time, in this city, in this church, at that address, at that job, with that opportunity. You need to quit looking backward and start looking around you. You don't need to just look forward. God wants you to understand that there's an opportunity In your moment, there's an opportunity in your time right now that you need to wake up to. Amen. And so for a few minutes, guys, you're going to have to write it out. The terror and hope of the times. Say it with me. The terror and hope of the time. God bless you. You may be seated. Time is defined in Scripture as the space between two eternities. Time is a strange and peculiar thing. It is computed in years and months and weeks and days and even moments and seconds. And yet the psalmist declared that at its best it is short. We cannot arrest time. We cannot hold time back. We cannot stop time. We cannot end time. We cannot prevent time from moving on. We cannot push the pause button. We cannot change time. 
depending on who you ask, they would reply that times are hard. Times are difficult. Times are challenging. Times are dark. But the wise man observed in his musings something that you and I would be wise to consider ourselves. He said, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Why do we say that the former days are better than these? Thou hast not inquired wisely concerning this. One translation said, finishing is better than starting. Ending is better than beginnings. Why was life better? Wisdom does not lead us to ask that kind of question. You see, we are not always the best at interpreting and understanding the times in which we live. As a matter of fact, how poor we are at times to find the meaning in the translation of the hours in which we now exist and to interpret their significance We too often misinterpret the times. We misinterpret our life. We misinterpret its purpose. And we misinterpret its meaning. We are not always wise in how we view life. Sometimes because of that error, grievous verdicts are often passed upon time. Such as many in their hurt disappointment or many in their confused disillusionment or others in their caustic damning judgment declare that this is the worst of times. This is the most ungodly of ours. And so there is truth in some of that. But there is a greater truth that is missed in that. You see, there is a vast deal of life that is lost to you and I when we throw words around in our life such as never. There never was anything like this. I've never seen anything like this. I've never had to go through anything like this. Never was it like this. What has been lost to us is what what we lose in that moment of never. And I wonder tonight, and I thought this afternoon and last night, how many, how many things are lost in our life because we put that little word at the beginning. For many people, their best life is over. Life for them is as good as it's going to get. 
And they're on the downhill slope and they're moving fast. Amen. And there are others who view that the great days are past and we just have to endure to the end. I remember as a child, one reason we don't still do testimonies because some of the people that had, I'm sure, great intentions would stand up and leave the most negative message. And one thing that I remember as a child hearing people say often, pray for me that I can only endure to the end. And in my little mind, I started trying to figure out what did that mean. Does it mean that the older I get, the worse life is going to be? Does it mean that I've got a grave, dark future ahead of me? Does it mean that God has gotten sick? Pray for me that I will just make it in. Just build my little cabin. God, you don't even have to worry about a mansion. Just build me a little cabin. I'm not making fun. But I'm just saying that in our limitation of understanding how great our God is and the purpose that he has for our life, we stigmatize God with some minuteness and some smallness that limits what he could do and be in our life if we just would loose him and let him be God. Amen. The great days are over and we're just holding out. Hold the fort, for I am coming. Some of you laughing. Some of you, my, my daughter's embarrassed. You ought to be thankful that you hadn't been raised on that because I was raised on that. I ought to be warped right now because I, I grew up here and was just whole. If I can just only make it in. But you know what? The more I got to learning about Jesus and the more I got to reading his word, I discovered something that somebody must have overlooked when they were writing their song. And I found out that God wasn't weak. He wasn't getting weaker. God wasn't dead. God wasn't past tense. God was present tense. God was a now God. When I started evangelizing, I didn't know what one speed that was full blast screaming as loud as I could scream. And I went into some of those little bitty churches out in West Texas that hadn't seen God move since Moses was around. And I come climbing over pews screaming at the top of my voice that the Lord was in this place. And they looked at me like, who are you talking about? Who is the Lord? They weren't sure they wanted to let him in or not. If he was going to act like I acted, they weren't going to let him in. Now we we get to sing all these great songs that are, well, I won't say where they come from. Some of them come from Starbucks, but not all of them. But anyway, when you're sitting over a good warm latte, oh, man. Can't nobody do me like latte or Jesus or something, you know. I, I'm, I'm being facetious right now, but please forgive me. I, I'm just saying that I grew up with this 
environment, but I never could understand when I read the word and I, I, I got around real people that believed that God was still able and I saw things. And so I was dumb enough to believe that what God said in his word was true. And if you preach it, you would see it. Oh. And so we, I, I did. And I, I, I shocked a few people, I'm sure. I made some people mad because they were very happy with the good old days. They were very happy locked away in the fact that God ain't ever going to be as good as he was back when I started in this thing. I'm going to tell you why that's such a sin in a moment. But anyway, you see, we have, we have often drawn a verdict over life that does not equate with what God has to say about life. Now, I understand that the days are evil. I understand that the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more the enemy is going to unstop uh, his arsenal and, and the attacks are going to increase. But I still read the back of the book and whatever he pulls out isn't going to be sufficient to stop what God's going to do in the earth. And when he said the latter rain shall be greater than the former rain, he was not talking about something in the natural. He was talking about a spiritual move that would shake the earth. You see, we ascribe to our day a failing mark for the most part. But if we could stop hating today and wanting to go back to yesterday and trying to relive what was and quit wasting our time and quit griping about our time and quit complaining about our day and simply embrace it. And start inquiring. God, of all the people in the generations of the world, you have chosen to let me be here in this moment, in this hour. And if you would trust me to live in this moment, then evidently you see more in me than I see in myself. So I'm asking you to pull the scales back from my eyes and help me understand why I'm still here. What God has for me where I am right now, as dark as the times may be, why am I still around? Some of you think you're young. You say, well, I'm around because I'm young. You know what? Death comes to the young and the old. If God had had your number up, it would have already come up. But he chose not to because he wanted you to embrace something that would be life-changing and transformative. He wanted you to experience something that he was going to pour out in the last hour. A revival like no other revival. You say, I don't believe in that. Well, you just keep not believing in it. You're listening to a preacher that does believe in it. I believe that what God said about the latter house is still true. The latter house shall be greater than the former house. And I'm not going to get locked back somewhere of what God did. I'm too interested in finding out what God will to do right now 
My Lord. Hallelujah. You see, there's a reason that you're still here. Turn to somebody and look at him and say, you need to wake up and start asking God, why am I still here? Amen. Once on a great drizzly day of depression, Emerson was noted to have remarked, everyone is criticizing the time. Yet I think that this time, like all times, is a very good one if we but knew what to do with it. Amen. If we but knew what to do with it. The wise man evidently was speaking something he had already heard and experienced. That even in his day, there were people that spent their life looking back and said, oh... Oh, I long for those days. My dad told me something about the good old days. He said there wasn't nothing good about the good old days. Water gravy, hard biscuits, depression living. There was nothing good about that. Amen. But we spend our life thinking about what was. And we allow so much time to be consumed by that we, we fall in love with it. And I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not ridiculing the past. I'm not making fun of it. I'm not saying don't consider it. I'm just saying don't get locked in it and don't get lost in it. Because the past is only a precedent for what God wants to do right now. You didn't get that. The past is a precedent of what God wants to do right now. And if we would stop looking around and say, oh, I wish I was somewhere else. I wish, I wish I could go back. I, I wish I could do something different. Hey, you did it. You did it. And God knows you did it. And yet he's still willing in his mercy to embrace you and say, come on, we still got work to do. We still have something that needs to be accomplished. You're not here without a reason. You need to get on your feet and declare, God, I want to know why I'm here. I want to know what you have for me in this hour. I want to know what it is you have called me to do. So I'm going to tell you why it's not wise to say such things as the past. Why don't we have those kind of days again? Because number one, when we glorify the past, we offend God. Because by only glorifying the past... We are insinuating that God, pardon my English, ain't God anymore. We are insinuating that God has run out of good ideas. That all that God did back there, man, 
Oh, I wish we could have that again. What do you mean wish? You can have it. All you've got to do is get your eyes off of it and start looking around in the present. Say, God, why am I still here? I ought to be dead. The devil's tried many a time. He's tried to put my light out. He's tried to silence my testimony. He's tried to shut me up. He tried to kill me in my mother's womb. He tried to kill me in crack or some other drug. He's tried to destroy my life with the wrong kind of living. But here I am tonight. I'm still on my feet. I'm still loving. I'm still living. So why am I here? That's the wise thing this church needs to ask. Not why did we go through that, but why are we here? We're here because God knew this hour needed some people that would be radical enough to believe that he's not a past tense. He's a present help. That he's not a has been, but he is a shall be. Oh, come on. Somebody that would understand that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And when you come up against opposition, you say you come to me with a sword and a sling. But I come to you in the name. I come to you in the name of the Lord. The second reason, some of you want me to hurry up. I'm about 20, my 20 minutes is almost gone. When we glorify the past, we limit and shackle the present. Now, I'm, I, I come from a deep, rich heritage just like many of you. I'm not making fun of that tonight. I'm not saying we don't need some of that. We do need the spirit, but we don't need to go back there. We need that spirit in this hour. We need that passion in this moment. We need that hunger in this moment. We need what produced that to be duplicated right now. What brought that about will bring it about again. But we're going to have to learn that it costs something to have a move of God and to see God do great things. Hallelujah. So Paul said it best in the New Testament. He said, redeem the time. Say that with me. Redeem the time. You can't stop it. You can't change it. You can't arrest it. You cannot alter it, but you can redeem it. What do you mean, redeem it? He said, Make every moment count. Use every chance you have. Take advantage of every opportunity. We have preached this. We have said this. But some of us come in here and look at this and it goes right between our eyes and right out the back of our head. And none of us realize that this really is a year of opportunity. This is a year that God has opened a door. This is a year that God has ushered us into something. And he said, if you can get me in the present, 
I can give you a present. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. You can, you, you buy it up. That means invest in it. I'm going to tell you something. Young couples, listen to me right now. If you don't learn how to get under the burden of what brought us to where we are and help us carry it on, what you love so dearly right now will be past tense in a few years. Now that may not matter to you, but that troubles me. Say, Brother Hughes, what do you mean? Do you mean I don't love God? No, I don't mean that. I just mean if the, if we loved Him like we said we did, we wouldn't have such a hard time coming to a prayer meeting. Oh yeah, now suck in your air and hold on to you. Buckle your seat belt real tight. You say, Brother Hughes, I pray at home. That's great. But there's a power in corporate prayer that when the church got in trouble, they weren't isolated in their little corners of the city, but they came together and they were all in one place and they prayed. And God moved when they prayed. God opened prison doors when they prayed. I don't know if you understand it, but I'm getting older, not younger. And I'm running out of juice a whole lot quicker. But I need somebody to understand that the reason you're here is not so you can lollygag around and and just lay back and cruise through life and let somebody else carry the burden, but so you could get under that and understand, this is what I want for my children. This is what I want for generations to come if the Lord tarries. I don't want to lose apostolic power. Call me a radical. Call me a nutcase if you want to. But I am tired of people that promote church and their connotation of church is to start at 10 o'clock sharp and end at 11 o'clock dull. And God tried to get in, but they were too busy doing their own little thing. I'm meddling right now. You can be sitting. I'm going to shut up. I am going to be through. Amen. We have no right. Listen to me, church. Some of you think I'm just eternal optimist. I'm not. I have feelings just like you, and I wrestle with my flesh every day. And when this second flood hit us after six months of just getting out of recovery... There was nobody any more devastated than I was. But I made up my mind. No flood is going to stop me. No flood is going to stop this church. No flood is going to stop what God started. No flood is going to hold back what God wants to do. And so we're going to suck it up. We're going to put on our big boy panties. And we're going to come to church. We're going to have church when we come to church. We're going to ask for a visitation of the Holy Ghost. And we're going to see a demonstration of His Spirit. We have no right to be discouraged when God is still here. 
Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, you can stand. I'm going to let you go. Martin Luther's wife came in one day to his, her husband's office. And she was dressed in dark clothing, had a veil over her head, and was in a deeply downcast and sorrowful mood. And Martin Luther looked at her and said, what in the world is wrong with you? What has happened? She said, oh, have you not heard? It's terrible. But God is dead. All the righteous indignation and Luther rose up and he said, I rebuke you, woman. You stop blaspheming. And she looked back at her husband and she said, then if God's not dead, why are you sitting in this office pouting and moaning and complaining about what's going on in life? Why aren't you out there declaring the name of the Lord and the power of God to save? And I'm here to tell this church right now, we don't have time to complain. We don't have time to moan. We don't have time to gripe. Amen. Because God's not dead. I said God's not dead. Some of you still don't believe that. You see, it's a challenging thing when you understand that of all the generations that could be here now, we, we are it. Oh, hallelujah. I don't want to disappoint God. I want to be able, as the scripture said, I want to be able to inquire. God, now why did I have to go through that? Don't waste your sorrow. Don't waste your pain. Some of you are too busy on Facebook letting the world know, Oh, life is so bad. My husband is so cruel. My wife is so mean. Don't tell me you don't insinuate those things sometimes. I'm not even on it, but I'm clairvoyant enough to know that we say those things sometimes. God's not dead. God's not past tense. He's not a God who was. He said, I am. I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He did not limit himself to that three generations, but by that statement, he said, I'm a generational God. I transition with the need of the moment. Whatever you are, wherever you are, I'm here, I'm mighty, I'm awesome, and I want to do something with you and through you. I want to use you. Anybody hungry for that tonight? Anybody ready to throw off some negative vibes and some negative mindsets and some 
garbage that you've just allowed to accumulate in your life trying to tell you that it can't be or it won't happen or it never will. You need to write that word out of your dictionary and forget that word because never is not a word that God embraces. Now unto him who is able. Now unto him who is able. Come on, say it with me. Now unto him who is able. Now unto him who is able. Now unto him who is able. Come on. I got about that much more street left. Come on. Come on. Anybody believe that tonight? That greater things are still before us. And not just before us, but they're here right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.